morning, everyone. Happy hump day. Welcome to the news agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's political editor, John Stevens. Good morning, John. Hey, morning, Susie. Uh, now, this is the People's Paper Review, so get into the comments, leave us your questions. Uh, we will do our best to answer them for you all morning, Mike. Those of you listening later on podcast are just going to have to count the days until the next election, which, according to the Mirror today, is roughly 365. So there's that. So what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on the fact that Britney Spears' younger sister, Jamie Lynn, is heading to the I'm a Celeb jungle, along with Frankie Dottori and Nigel Farage. And if there's any meteors flying about with nothing much to do, now is your moment, lads. Uh, the Gold Coast, anytime you like. But there is a couple of other things happening before John has to go off and spend the rest of to now and Christmas watching I'm a Celeb for work reasons um, happening, which do bear some attention. And the first of them is on page 16, where Boris Johnson's former chief of staff confirmed to the COVID inquiry yesterday that the former prime minister did indeed say, let the bodies pile high. Uh, when he was talking about whether to have another lockdown. Now, here is a short montage of what Boris himself said about that when these claims were first reported. To tell the House categorically, yes or no, did he make those remarks or remarks to that effect? Prime Minister. No, Mr Speaker. And I think what I think... Uh, the, the right honourable gentleman is a, is a lawyer, I'm given to understand. I think uh, that if he's going to repeat allegations like that, uh, he should come to this House and substantiate those allegations and say, and say where he heard them and who, who, exactly, who exactly is supposed to have said those. Who exactly is supposed to have said those things, Mr Speaker? I'm insists the public don't much care. I'm finding that uh, a lot of this stuff that, you're, that, that people are talking about is actually not what's uh, coming up on the, on the doorstep or what the, the issues that people are raising uh, with me. What people want to know about is what is the government doing to get on uh, with our agenda to, to unite and level up across the country. But people do want to know whether Boris Johnson said he'd let the bodies pile high in their thousands. Did did he say it? No, uh, but uh, again, I think the important thing I think people want to... Downing Street has denied the... Well, uh, he denied it repeatedly, it's got to be said. Um, and John, I mean, there's no comeback for Boris on this really, is there? Because he's not an MP anymore. Uh, the right-wing rag for which we both used to work and which now employs Boris Johnson is unlikely to question him about this too hard. Um, it's not like we didn't know he was a liar, perhaps not even news. Um, does this revelation really matter, do you think? Well, in some ways not, because, I mean, I'm not sure anyone is shocked anymore that maybe Boris Johnson doesn't always tell the truth. Uh, we obviously had that investigation by the Commons into whether he told the truth over Partygate and their report found that he lied again and again and again and again over that. So I don't think anyone should be particularly surprised that he wasn't always truthful. Um, however, um, the thing that I would say is, yeah, he might not be an MP, so this they can't hold another investigation to prove yet again he was not telling the truth. Uh, but anyone who is left on the Tory benches with any kind of small bit of hope that Boris Johnson might one day make this great return. I think that should surely be over now. 
anyone like Nadine Doris, who was desperate for him to come back as PM, I think that those hopes will finally be faded. And that the evidence that keeps coming out over the COVID inquiry, whether that's WhatsApp messages, whether that's emails, or whether that's diary entries, they've all been pretty damaging for the government. And one of the really damaging bits has been this diary written by uh, Sir Patrick Valance, who was one of those two scientists that we used to see at those press conferences alongside Boris Johnson. Yeah, he was the other one, wasn't he? We had Chris Whitty that everyone knew. Chris Whitty and there was Patrick Valance, yeah. And Patrick Valance appears to have written this diary the whole time, basically working all these hours and then going home and writing down notes of what was said in different meetings. And those have been the really damaging bits. So Yesterday, there were excerpts of the diary read out, and Patrick Valance hasn't actually appeared himself yet at the inquiry. And when those bits of the diary were read out, it was talking about this meeting that Boris Johnson had held with Rishi Sunak. And this was when they were looking at, so after the first lockdown, when cases started to go up and up again. And he was saying that Rishi Sunak was basically pushing Boris Johnson around. He said that Boris Johnson would be quite sensible. He would be on board with reality, what was happening. And then he would hold a meeting with Rishi Sunak. And then he'd suddenly be all over the place, saying that Rishi Sunak was using all these spurious arguments about why bars and restaurants shouldn't shut down. Mm. And so, yeah, I think it is quite damaging for Boris Johnson. But I think the thing that is potentially really damaging that has kind of been there bubbling away, but hasn't properly come to the fore yet, is there is going to be a lot of stuff in there about what did Rishi Sunak do to stop a lockdown coming in place? And how did that impact people losing their lives? Well, exactly. That's the thing. It's kind of it's Rishi Sunak that matters. And he was at the heart of all this. But there are other cabinet ministers involved, too. And um, that video montage, which we should say thank you to Best for Britain on Twitter, which sort of put them all together and we nicked it this morning, um, was uh, also featured uh, former ministers like Ben Wallace, uh, who, of course, also is no longer a minister, but Therese Coffey and Michael Gove, who are still in government. Dazza says, sack them all. There are some people still in government who came out and backed Boris and said he didn't say it. It didn't happen. It wasn't an issue. Um, and I don't know if Rishi Sunak ever denied it as well, but it is perhaps more important that Rishi Sunak featured in that evidence. Mike says, seemingly sensible ministers like Ben Wallace supported Johnson in denying he said it. So they were either conned by him or implicit in it. Um, what I mean, the evidence that is about Sunak, like you say, there is some about him. It just hasn't been given perhaps because he's not as exciting as, as Boris Johnson is. He's not been given the same kind of attention. Well, he is going to be giving evidence shortly, isn't he? When's that coming up? And are, we, are, you see, are they going to go quite hard on them, do you think? Are they treating them tough at the COVID inquiry or are they letting them have a bit of a, a soft ride? So I think we'll probably see Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak in the next uh, several weeks. The COVID inquiry is basically set into these different sections, these bits called modules. So the first one looked at preparations for the pandemic did we have enough masks in kind of warehouses stuff like that we're currently on the second one which is looking at how did the government react what was their response like what were their decisions on things like lockdown and so at some point in this section we will hear from Matt Hancock, Boris Johnson, Rishi Sunak I think that if you look at the last few evidence sessions particularly last week when we had high profile people like Dominic Cummings um, the grilling was pretty firm. They were quite robust in going through 
different emails, as we say, different WhatsApps that people have said. It was quite uncomfortable last week when uh, the barrister on behalf of the inquiry was asking uh, Dominic Cummings, had you ever been misogynistic uh, towards colleagues in Downing Street? And he said, no, not at all. And then you could almost see the slight grin on the uh, lawyer's face when he kind of got <laughs> the papers together and then read out all these messages and emails that uh, Dominic Cummings had sent, which were misogynistic. And so I think if I was Rishi Sunak particularly, I would be slightly concerned thinking what emails, what messages, what diary notes from Patrick Valance do they have that they could suddenly whip out at this COVID inquiry? And I think that is the moment when people really will pay attention to Rishi Sunak and what he said. At the moment, he's competing in the news with all the colourful language that Boris Johnson used. So yesterday in the notes, it was talking about how he said that another lockdown would be like a whiskey and revolver moment, how mm. he thought that new kind of restrictions would be medieval. He's always got this very colourful turn of phrase, which always gets attention. Yesterday we heard about how it was true that he'd offered early in the pandemic to go on live TV and get injected with COVID. We had that um, revelation last week about how he'd asked the scientists if it was possible to get rid of coronavirus by shoving a hairdryer up your nose. So Boris Johnson is very good at getting attention. I think when that moment comes, it is Rishi Sunak stood on the stand answering those questions with a lawyer going systematically through all these bits of evidence with him. I think that is the moment when a lot of people in the country will pay attention to what exactly did he do in the pandemic. Yeah. Now, Leslie says, will anyone be prosecuted following this? It's not about gathering evidence for a prosecution. It's about, you know, learning lessons, Leslie. So the aim isn't to prosecute anyone. I'm not sure that there, there is much to prosecute individuals for. It would be something that you would prosecute a, if you were to bring any kind of a claim. <clears throat> Uh, it would be about, you know, corporate manslaughter by an organisation, for example, rather than an individual. So it's not a case that, you know, one person's going to get locked up for something. Rachel says, Rishi and Boris losing their WhatsApp messages is disgusting. We all know that's not true. My 16 year old son could get them back. Ring the inquiry, Rachel. I think actually the inquiry's managed to get a lot of WhatsApps now. Uh, because Boris finally managed to figure out his pin code, which, as we all know, was 8008. Because why wouldn't he have boob? Um now we, uh, we now we all know that um, you know that we've got other things coming up as John as John says there. Um, we we know that it's not really gathering evidence, and perhaps I suppose to some extent, you know, we're not really particularly giving. I think I suspect that we're not sort of worried too much about what Rishi Sunak did or didn't do at this stage, partly because he hasn't given his evidence yet, but also because most of the country's kind of given up there's this kind of narrative now that the tory government is on its way out whether that's true or not we don't actually know but that seems to be the building narrative in right and left-wing press people seem to have given up on rishi sunak but let's move on to the main story of the day which is yesterday's king's speech now for the not for the first time he's given a speech before but this is the first time he's made it on his own behalf the first time in 70 years it's been a, a speech by the king to open parliament and it's had a bit of a thumbs down for being rubbish, hasn't it, John? The, the sense that Rishi Sunak has kind of given up, not really bothered to, to lay much legislation before the House in its final term before there is going to have to be a general election. Yeah, and you look at the polls at the moment and the Labour Party about 20 points ahead of the Tories. And we know that there'll probably be an election at some point during next year. So 
yeah, there is a bit of time, but there's not loads of time for Rishi Sunak to manage to turn things round. And so he really does need to take one of these opportunities to really turn the dial. And so we had a Conservative Party conference last month and there was that was a bit, mm, there wasn't particularly great. We had all those rows over HS2 and it didn't really seem like they were on the front foot with many things. There weren't any particularly great ideas. The only one that will make a big difference was that changing the rules on smoking and that suggestion that they might fiddle around with A-levels in 10 years time. And so that wasn't a big change moment. Yesterday when we had the King's speech and yeah, it is King Charles who delivered it. But it's basically him reading out a list of laws that the government wants to pass between now and the next election. And it was just quite underwhelming. There wasn't really any big things in there you think that would change any people's minds about whether they're voting Tory or Labour. I mean, there was legislation in there to put the smoking stuff into effect. If you look through the documents, there's a suggestion that they might include and um, impose a tax on vaping. So to discourage people who don't smoke at all from taking up uh, vaping, particularly children, I mean, that's possibly a sensible thing to do, but I'm not sure it's really going to win you any votes. And yeah. I just think at some point the Tories are going to have to come up with something. We have got the autumn statement uh, later this month. That will be when they set out their tax and spending plans. There's loads of Tory MPs who just say, yes, just cut taxes. That will be how you get voters back on board. It doesn't sound like they're going to do that. But if the Tories want to win the election, they have to offer something to the country to vote for. Now, Philip says, he, I think he's talking about King Charles, looks all right divvy in that crown. Don't hear the word divvy often enough. So it's time to abolish the monarchy. It's so outdated. I'm glad you said that, Philip, because something amazing happened in that speech. Something absolutely astonishing, which you wouldn't get from a politician. And what it was, was that the fact that it's that an environmentalist king, a vocal supporter of green issues, his entire life, all right, he drives an Aston Martin that runs on um, cooking oil, for example, paid to have it di diverted. It's still an Aston, of course, but he's been vocal vocally about um vocally noisy i should say about environmental issues the entirety of the time he was prince of wales and yesterday he sat on a gold throne in that silly hat and read, calmly read out a speech saying that his government was going to drill for more oil in the north sea and you know what he didn't even flicker an eyelid there was no sense at all that he didn't like that and that is a wonderful advert for a constitutional monarchy. And it's something which I think no politician who's been vocal about green issues, for example, and then becomes an elected head of state would ever be able to do. And it's perhaps something that some of our cousins across the seas who can learn about having a puppet head of state, they're quite useful. Obviously, you need to threaten to chop their heads off uh, before they start behaving themselves. But it's, it's quite useful when you've got one. Jim says it's a bit creepy seeing Charlie dressed up in his mum's gear. It's not just his mum's gear. It's his granddad's. It's his great granddad's. It's his great great granddad's. It's great great. You know them where I'm going. It's it's always been a bit creepy. Um, now, but it doesn't seem to have been in this speech, John, much of a mention of Rishi Sunak's five pledges, which was how he was going to try to get re-elected, wasn't it? He's going to bring down inflation, bring down NHS waiting lists, reduce the number of small boats coming across the, uh, the channel, grow the economy, and uh, one other thing that no one can remember. Were they in the speech and we just didn't notice it? So there were bits in, so when King Charles, as well as reading out this list of laws, there was also a bit of language around it. Um, so there was mention about how the government's trying to bring down inflation. There might have been a mention of stop the boats in there somewhere. I, I can't quite remember. 
Um, but you have heard a bit less from the government about these five pledges as we get towards the end of the year. There was one point where they emblazoned them on everything. Every email that political reporters got from a government press officer had the five pledges slapped across the top. And we know that some of them are going a bit better than others. So he obviously set the five pledges out in January at the start of the year. The idea was that he would be getting on quite well with them by the end of the year. And inflation has come down, uh, although prices are still obviously high. It just means the price, uh, the rate at which prices increases is not going up as much as it was, but still people are paying loads in the shops. So that has come down uh, quite significantly. Uh, but um, the numbers crossing the channel in small boats has come down, but it's definitely not been stopped. There are still significant numbers risking their lives making those journeys. But you look at some of the other ones in the five pledges, so particularly bringing down NHS waiting lists, they are not coming down. They are going up and up and mm -hmm. up. I can't remember the latest figure is. I think it's about 7.8 million people. Oh, it's a billion, waiting billion, billion zillions. And so, yeah, I think that is why possibly the government have stopped going on about all five pledges because on a lot of them, they're not doing particularly well. Also, one of them is bringing down national debt. That's not coming down. We're still that's borrowing that's loads of money. That's going up. What's the other one? There's a fifth one. It's growing the economy, bringing down the debt. Growing the economy. Well, that's the other one. And that's obviously we are seeing some growth, but it's pretty anemic. It's like 0.1% or something. So yeah, exactly. it's quite a mixed bag on those five pledges. Yeah. And what do you think, everybody? How do you feel about the King's speech yesterday? Do you think it was worth all the rigmarole and folderole? Or was it a bit of a damp squib for you? Was it something in there which was important? There were lots of crime and justice measures. It does look like perhaps the Tory government is, going to, is gearing up to campaign on tough law and order. There's even a suggestion they found someone to try it deputed someone to go and uh, hunt through Keir Starmer's time as DPP, as Director of Public Prosecutions, to see if there's any dirt on him. I think if there was any dirt, someone would have found it by now, but still. Um, Mike says that Sunak's introduction to the King's speech said he promised integrity, professionalism and accountability, and that he's delivered it. What planet is he living on? Probably the same one um, where the meteors are resting and not striking the I'm a celeb jungle, Mike, I would suggest. Rachel says Rishi's pledges that he can meet. Rename Snickers to Marathon. <laughs> Bring back Spangles. Introduce Tartan Paint. Rubber Tin Tax Tax introduction and make Space Hoppers more bouncy. Uh, I think there's maybe from the monster raving loony party, Rachel, and they would be easy for him to make. Although I think Snickers and Marathon would be a bit beyond him because that's the Mars Corporation in, in America, I think. It's all their fault. Um, but, John, one question, I suppose. Are they still, are those government press officers still putting the five pledges on the top of the emails they send you? So the other week, someone pointed out they weren't, although I do. there was one I did get yesterday, I think, from number 10 that did have them back on the top. So whether they were gone and now they're back again or whether that was just a mistake that was on yesterday, I'm not quite <laughs> sure. But there's certainly been less talk of them uh, amongst ministers when they're out talking on TV, radio and giving speeches. Yes, a bit like, you know, an ex you don't really want to keep bringing up in conversation, perhaps. If, they, if the government press officers have stopped mentioning them quite so much, then maybe the government is stopping talking about it quite so much as well. We'll have to see, won't we, how it all pans out a bit. Eddie says, the king has a duty to protect his subjects. He should have raised his spectre and dissolved parliament called an election. <laughs> Eddie, somebody tried that in a big shiny hat a few hundred years ago, mate. Caused no end of chaos. A lot of paperwork as well. And of course, he ended up 
significantly shorter by the time it was all over. So I don't think Charles III wants to do quite the same thing uh, as Charles I tried. That would probably be a bad move. But anyway, thank you everyone for that. We've had a little, quick little chat there about constitutional monarchies as well, which I wasn't expecting this morning. Um, so get into the comments, everybody. We'll wrap up at the end. What do you think about the King's speech? What would you have liked to have seen in it? Do you think the King should indeed have just dissolved Parliament? I said, stop this. So we'll go home, everybody. We've had enough. Um, and do you think the Rishi's given up? You know, the, the idea that, um, that the government is just sort of treading water, really, waiting for the, the right exit ramp before they can get out of here. I have to wait and see, won't we? Now, first off, we have managed to find, before we finish off, uh, some good news for you. And here it is. Now, we all know there's been a lot of rubbish pumped into our seas of late. Uh, but one swimmer in Prostatin got a surprise when she found a plastic bag covered in sand, washed up on the beach and brushed it off to find a live goldfish struggling in a little bit of fresh water, this last bit of oxygen. She took it home, put a post on the local Facebook group and the fish, called Goldie, of course, now has a forever home with a local mum and her daughter in a tank with the rest of their collection. Now, John, it's very lucky that goldfish have a short attention span. He seems to have forgotten his ordeal and is none the worse for wear. But do you think, is this proof that even if things are looking very grim indeed, there's always a chance that a, a good Samaritan will come along, dust you off and get you back <laughs> into the I think there's possibly a lesson to learn. I mean, you look at that little picture there, there's obviously the one of Goldie in the bag and then there's the teeny tiny circle one there. You can see Goldie swimming around in a tank with some other fishy friends. I mean, I do not know how that fish managed to survive. Just you think rolling around in the waves in this cold weather off the coast of North Wales must have been pretty grim for that goldfish. Well, you know, Nemo managed it. There's no reason that Goldie could do it as well. Uh, it's a lesson to us all. Um, and I, I think, well, hopefully it is the same fish and everything else. And someone's managed to rescue it. I think it's rather marvellous for the swimmer who's rescued it. And perhaps, you know, there, there has been some stuff, wasn't there, mentioned in the King's speech about trophy hunting or not banning it, I think. Surely there should be some kind of law that says you don't have, you don't get to put goldfish in plastic bags anymore or that it's a crime to dump them in the sea, for goodness sake. I mean, when it I was... I was surprised. I thought that all of that giving away goldfish at the fair was a thing of the past, but maybe that's just because it's so long since I've been to a fair to know. But um, <laughs> it seems like everything else is banned, so I'm really surprised this isn't banned also. No, it doesn't seem to be, but well done, Goldie. He's managed to have a new lease of life and hopefully has many long years swimming about in his tank in which to try and forget the horrific traumas of only five seconds ago. Um, thank you, John, for taking us through all that. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Um, we will see you all again on Monday, if we're spared, uh, for another edition of the News Agenda. Till then, everybody, stay safe. Tatty, bye. <laughs>